because not everyone is going to notice those little things that you do. And it's nice when they do, but um, you got to remind yourself that um, if no one's saying it to you, you got to be saying it to yourself. Hi, and welcome back to my podcast, The Core. My name is Nick Mombello, and I started this show because I want to help you live a better life and bring you conversations I have with people who I think will add value and help you grow in some way. In this episode, we have Jay Murphy. Jay has been a lifelong coach of mine. He's a health and wellness teacher and a strength and conditioning coach, and he's someone who has taught me that There's more to coaching than just winning the game, being on the ice, being on the field or in the weight room. A coach is really somebody who can teach you a life lesson that you can later use to be a better person. I really hope you enjoy this episode. I know I did. I got a lot out of my conversation with him. And if you do, please hit the subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. I'm truly grateful to have you here and appreciate all the support you guys have given me. Thank you very much and enjoy the show. I first want to say thank you for coming on the show. You were somebody who I've looked up to for a long time and you taught me the importance of working out in general and then strength training as well. But more importantly, you were some you were one of my first coaches in life and I think coaches are essential for people to grow and just be better all all around people. So thank you. Well, thank you, Nick, because uh, you've certainly been a pleasure to work with, to have as a student, to have as a just a committed person to a process that's that's a lot of work. You know, it's a it's a lot to commit to to you know conditioning, to being a good student, to being a good person, and you you always were that, and um, you know, I really uh, I've appreciated that along the way. Well, thank you. Um, So to start, could we go a little bit into your background and how you ended up becoming both a health and wellness teacher and then a strength and conditioning coach as well? Yeah, sure. I mean, for me, I guess early on, you know, going as far back as, you know, you know, I came from a family of my sister and older sister, and we grew up in in, uh, Beverly, actually. And my parents, my my parents uh, got divorced pretty early on. So I was probably two years old, and my mom, um, she had me at seventeen, and she had my sister at sixteen. So here she was, nineteen years old, and um, on her own with two kids, me and my sister. And you know, as a young kid, that was a lot, and uh, I had a lot of energy, and I had a lot of. Um, you know, support from my mom for sure, but we kind of we kind of bounced around a lot. I um, actually I just called my mom before we did this, and I said, "Mom, how many times did we actually move uh, before we ended up in Byfield?" Uh, which 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 you know, I I moved to Byfield when I was when I was seven. She said she's like well, one two. She's like we moved five times. So as far as when you think about an imprint, you know, I have an imprint of you know bouncing around a lot, but I also have an imprint of love, you know, and that came from my mom. It came from my sister. It just came from feeling, you know, um, like I could screw up and my mom was still going to be there. And that was reassuring for sure as, as a kid. Um, because with that love, you know, you kind of feel like you can do anything. So for me, you know, life just took its toll and, you know, you just kind of, you know, if you like to move, you just say to yourself, you know, this is my body. This is what I got. And I was a pretty thin kid. I was just kind of, I didn't really think too much about it. But, you know, I can remember a specific time in seventh grade when, you know, you go from an elementary school, which I went to Newbury Elementary, and then you, you go to Triton, which is like a mix of, of kids from Salisbury. You got kids from um, Rowley and uh, Newbury, and then you get the Byfield kids, which is me. And you know, now you kind of you know rubbing shoulders with some new kids and new faces. And I guess being young, I didn't really feel that sense of uh, like 
being thin or being what you know being whatever my body type was i didn't really feel like that was really an issue so it didn't really come into my consciousness until you know we got in the locker room one day and i can remember this kid a really good athlete and uh, i reached above my locker to to get something out my shirt or something and i remember him saying to me jeez murph when you put your hands above your head like that you can see your rib cage he goes you're so you're so skinny and it was right in that moment where that that protective kind of you know you're pushing me into a spot where i'm going to come out fighting and, and that's what i did you know i shoved the kid i said you know shut up you know I, you know, and then you know the, the 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 phys ed teacher at the time great guy nicest guy in the world he comes out grabs me by the shirt grabs the other kid by the shirt he's like what's going on and right away you know I wasn't going to sell him out, but I took ownership of it. Yeah, I shoved him and, you know, right down to the main office, you know, and my mom had to come in from work and she's a nurse and she had to actually take time off from work. And she comes walking in and looking at me like, like, really, I'm going to leave work for this. <laughs> and, you know, I got into the car and my mom's like, what are you doing? Like, we got us the first week of school. Like, what's going on with you? And, and then I said the kid's name and she goes, I thought you guys were friends. And then I got choked up and I said, well, he said something about my, me being skinny. And she's like, okay. And that got you upset. And then I, I just started to cry. And I just said, yeah, I, I didn't like it. You know, I don't like being skinny. And she's like, oh, you know, she gave me the old sigh that, that your mom will give. And she says to me, well, yeah, that's just your body type. You know, you, you know, you're fine. And um, so right away, I said, I want to start, start lifting. And she's like, well, you know, you're in the seventh grade. I don't know. You know, I don't really know much about it. I don't really know, you know, where you'd go. And I'm like, well, I heard there's this Y. There's the Y in Newport that, that I can go to. And, uh, you know, maybe I can sign up and then maybe I can even take the bus because it can drop me off if uh, they, the kids go up to Newbury. It kind of almost goes into Newburyport and then they could drop me off and then I could just walk there. And my, and my mom was like, okay, well, just settle down. Let's like look into it. And so at the time, you know, we had moved to Byfield and my stepdad was in my life and he was a, he was a really good athlete, but he didn't really come into his own until he was like in college because when he was in high school, he literally, he really sprouted up. Like he went from like being five, nine, five, eight till, till six, one, like when he graduated college. So he, he always had kind of an issue with height and weight. And so he's like, well, you are skinny. And I'm like, gee, thanks dad. And he's like, well, if you want to put some weight on, you know, you need to start eating some cereal at night. Or he had all these suggestions and it was kind of like, you know, I kind of like what my mom had to say a little better because his comments were just like that I'm not okay where I am. And that kind of hit home that I need to do something else to be accepted. And that's what I started doing. So I started, you know, eating more food at night, eating more cereal. And what ended up happening was, you know, it's like your body has a set point. And when you push beyond that, it's not always healthy weight that you're putting on. And for me, it felt like, I just would get up in the morning not really feeling good. And I found out that I was actually lactose intolerant. And so all that extra all that extra milk I was drinking was, you know, killing my stomach. But it was good because, you know, one door opens another door. Uh, it got me to get food tested, allergy tested. And then from there, you know, being allergy tested in uh, it's actually a place called Holistic Family Practice in, in Newburyport. And getting all the tests and all those kind of things, I kind of found out about nutrition. And I was curious about what kind of foods work good for my body, talking about protein and thinking about what kind of foods can, you know, add to strength. And then, you know, I did make that uh, commitment to the why in the report. And I tell you what, uh, I would go there five, six days a week. And um, me and my me and my buddy, his his father was actually a physical education teacher in Beverly. He was a hockey coach. And he, he would write the programs up for us. And so I didn't really know much about the training and how to put piece it together. But um, all of the programming 
I learned from my buddy and his father being a phys ed teacher and what, how you pair things together and how you do things. So from an early on, I wasn't just, you know, doing workouts. I had a program that I followed and maybe a little bit of overtraining for sure, but um, things started to change and I started to get stronger, started to put some muscle on. And, you know, with that came um, confidence for sure. But then, you know, it opens up another can of worms with now people think you're arrogant. Now people think you got, you know, an ego. And then you're dealing with that. And for me, it was just like, man, I just, I just want to do my thing, man. I just want to play sports. I just want to feel good. And um, by the time I was a senior, you know, strength was something that, you know, I really knew how to, how to, how to put it, how to get stronger. I knew how to uh, work out, put programs together. And then it led to uh, me going to college for it. I went into, I went to Westfield State, uh, Westfield University now. And I went into movement science and uh, started going to Mike Boyle's perform better clinics. And then one led to another and led to another. And pretty soon I'm reading books and, um, you know, everything I could put my hands on and seminars. And, uh, you know, I started to, to really feel like this is something I have a passion for. Yeah. And now you've trained people from when they were really young and up through their college athletic career. What were some challenges that you ran into when trying to get them to perform to that next level? Well, I mean, people like you and people like Drew Boudreaux, uh, people like, um, you know, Will um, Batchelder, I don't know if you know Will. No. Uh, Zach Cloud, their kids at um, Governor's Academy. Kids like that don't come around every day. So I name those four kids because of all the kids I've worked with. Those are four kids that they needed a direction for me to point mm -hmm. in. And they were then able to take their own motivation, their own commitment, their own conviction. And uh, I always thought my job then was to keep them safe. Yeah. To make sure that these kids are not overtraining, make sure that they're doing it right, make sure that I'm a, you know, um, responsible not just a responsible trainer, like how I program things and how I put things together, but, you know, make sure that I'm doing my homework so that I can keep them safe. And then yeah. as far as, you know, how you communicate with kids, you know, I don't swear. I'm not, you know, talking too much about their personal life. It's more about letting them know that, you know, where I'm here to support you and I'm here to help you. And uh, I got your back, man. I got your back for life. And yeah. then, you know, as it goes, you know, like some, someone like someone like Drew, for instance, him and I even took it one step further than you. I mean, you know, he had a similar situation with um, um, being in with just him and his mom for a bit. And um, his dad was in, in Florida and his dad was always in his life, but his dad wasn't in Newburyport. Yeah. So he started to uh, gravitate towards, you know, texting. So his mom, uh, there was a time when I went to watch him play at a freshman football game. And his mom's like, why don't, you, why don't you shoot him a text? You know, I'd been working with him since he was in the fifth grade. And from then it was just like, hey, you know, you had a great game. And uh, uh, he texted back, oh, Miss Murphy, great to hear from you. I'm so glad you came <laughs> to the game. And I said, absolutely, man. I said, there was a favorite play that I saw uh, in that game. I said, see if you can guess which one it was. And Drew was like, um, oh, when I threw the touchdown pass? I'm like, uh, no, not that one. Uh, when I um, you know, made that tackle, I'm like, no. It was when you threw an interception on the five-yard line of the, the opposing team, and the kid took it all the way back, and you tackled the kid on the five-yard line, and you never gave up on the play. I go, yeah. you can't coach that. And right from there, was, that was the moment where I've literally since his freshman year We've texted once a week, and now he's 24 years old. Wow. And that is 
to me, it's about building relationships and about, about you know, um, like I said, being in someone's corner. And that's yeah. why I always feel like I could pick up the phone, you know, text you, check in with you, ask your dad how you're doing, see how your brothers and sisters are doing. You know, that to me is um, what really matters because, yeah, the training was great and all the things that, you know, you took away from that was great. But, uh, you know, I got a lot from being around you too, man. Yeah. And I think that's what a coach is. It, a coach helps you motiv- or motivates you to accomplish your initial goal, but then also is there to hold space and develop you in other ways that aren't your main focus and things that you aren't particularly aware of at the time. And they just open up doors and say, hey, if you, have you thought of this? You can grow and develop this way as well and developing the person to be better in all aspects, I think, is oh, what a coach is. Absolutely. And I think your kind of your window in is that the athlete, the uh, student will see that um, they trust. You know, there's a trust there and there's uh, a mutual respect. And with that allows for other things to be kind of added to it. Yeah. You know, and, and then just that you care about their well-being in general, not just, hey, did you win your game that night? Absolutely. Or are you stronger today than you were, you, you were yesterday? Yeah. Showing that you care about their family life or about um, what's going on, say, at school and stuff. I think it's really important. Well, yeah. And, you know, that's why I can remember I was always curious about, like, I I remember, you know, asking you questions like, so, Nick, I mean, you get a lot of interests. You know, you do the mountain biking, you're doing the hockey, you got this and that going. You know, I can remember saying things to you like, well, how come you don't play for that, like, freeze team or that hockey team? Or, or you're not going to the tournaments where you're fighting? And then when I would ask the question, I didn't ask, like, intrusively. I asked to just to know. And you'd be like, well, my philosophy is I like to do a lot of different things. And mountain biking is one of them. And if I was doing hockey five, six days a week, I couldn't do some of these other things. Yeah. And I like to do karate. And I and I like I like to do the forms. And I'm not as interested in the fighting. And then as I just kind of took you in, I got to know you a little bit better mm-hmm. about how you were hardwired. And then I'm like, all right, man. Okay. And I totally get that because to be a kid that ends up being the captain of the hockey team and having gone about it in a way that gave you more freedom. Yeah. And you were able to do a lot of different things to me. It's like, wow. And then you even went on to play, you know, club and hockey. I thought, God, it served, it it served all purposes for you. So I'm glad that I was, a, I had a, I, I, I guess I had a space for, for knowing enough to be like, just listen, because every kid's different. Yeah. And if you're the kid that maybe the me that would want to go to the tournaments or I would have won, but, <laughs> but you know, not every kid, you know, every kid's different yeah. and every person's different. And uh, I love that you shared that because, uh, you know, got me, I got to know you. So then what about the kids that aren't, say they're on the right path. What about the kids that you kind of have to push? How do you motivate them to be better? Well, I think what happens with me is um, inside the classroom, you know, it's a public school. Yeah. And being in a, in, in a, um, a subject like I am, you know, I see all the kids. But in terms of developing relationships, when you see a kid once a week, you know, once a week for 22 classes in fourth grade, 22 classes in fifth grade, you know, it's certainly you're developing enough of a rapport to know that um, you know the kid in, in regards to, um, you know, their work ethic and, you know, yeah. maybe some of their likes or dislikes. But to really sink into the content of what I'm doing in that class, hard to do that yeah so it's almost like on the surface of it sure for me where i really really enjoyed 
is being in the after school strength and conditioning for the last 20 years because these kids wanted to be there. They chose to be, they paid to be there. And for me, I just was like, this was, this is, this is my space. And I think for those kids, um, I don't know, we had different experience and I didn't have to kind of fight to, they wanted to do it. Mm-hmm. In the classroom, it's like, you know, I mean, they're kids, you know, they're going to sometimes fight that a little bit. But I always found that the kids that gravitated towards, towards me with strength training, yeah, they didn't need so much that extra push. It was more about they needed to have direction. And they needed for me not just to be a cheerleader, because I'm not a rah, rah, rah guy. I'm going to be like, hey, listen, when you're in that position, open your chest up, put, re- retract your shoulders, you know, put the weight on the balls of your feet. You know, and, and if the kid doesn't like that, then, you know, you know, I'm not for you. Then mm-hmm. that, that's so this is to me what a coach is there for. You're there to instruct. You're there to teach the kid. And if they're not receptive to that, that's OK. But maybe you might want to work with someone else. And I'll say that to them. And for you, I mean, we never had that conversation because you're always receptive. Drew's always receptive. Will's always receptive. Yeah. You know, and when the kids aren't like that then I just, I, I, I kind of say, you know, maybe, you know, I'm going to give you a check back that you, you know, give it back to your mom and your dad. And maybe you guys you might want to go to work with someone else. And then they're like, huh? And then they'll come around. Yeah. So. And it's a two way street. You have to show up wanting to do something um, in order to accomplish the goal as well. The nobody is going to hand you the, the win or no one's going to hand you the, PR on a bench, you're not, you're not going to get that if you don't show up as well. No. And, you know, I think kids realize that real quick. They Mm -hmm. start to see the kids that are having success, the kids that are putting in the work. Yeah. They start to see the kids that are just kind of, you know, pulling off to the side and taking an extra rest. And, you know, I'm never going to be in some kid's face because that's just not my personality. It's more about, you know, here's what we're doing. You know, I thought we were on the same page. I thought we were trying to accomplish this. And most kids, it's not because they don't care. It's not because they're just disrespectful. It's because, you know, they're lacking that attention. Yeah. It takes a lot to be committed in a weight room. It takes a lot to push through plat- plateaus and to, to have days when you're, you know, you're a little off, you know, you're tired and yeah. just show up again. But that's kind of what I try to instill in the kids, like, this is about creating habits. It's about being disciplined enough to, to know that the, this is a process, you know, and the end product is going to look different. Some of you aren't going to be benching 300 pounds. You know, you're not going to be, you know, maybe meeting, meeting some of those goal weight that you want mm-hmm. to, but you know what? You're going to be mobile. Like, what does yeah. that mean? You're going to be, you know, less chance of getting injured you're going to feel maybe a little bit more, you know, um, mobile when you move, when you swing a bat, when you jump, Mm -hmm. you know, and uh, those are kind of things that, I don't know, I think the kids have to have to come to that. Sure. Yeah. And the whole discipline or dedication piece, I think you were somebody that taught me that from a very young age. Um, Where did you get that? Or was there anyone that taught you discipline and dedication in general? Uh, well, growing up, my mom, her brother was, you know, a, a guy that I respected a lot. He, he actually um, got inducted into the Hall of Fame in, um, in Beverly for um, – for, Bev- for, uh, for, sorry, for baseball. And he ended up going to Providence College on a full scholarship. And then he got drafted by the Red Sox. Okay. And his, his career kind of got cut short from an injury. And I was always intrigued by the fact that, you know, here he is, my uh, mother's brother, my uncle. And mm-hmm. he had the same body type as me. He's about 5'10", 170. And I would look at him like, hey, you know, we kind of like, you know, we kind of yeah. similar build. And, you know, so I just had this vision that maybe if I do what he does, maybe I could be as good as him. So I was always trying to like, just pick his brain and he didn't want any part of it. 
he he <laughs> was always busy. He was always kind of, you know, flying here, flying there. He was kind of into his own stuff. But I'd always get a letter in the mail every once in a while, and he'd wish me well. And but then he'd come around, and you know, we'd get together, and he he didn't have a whole lot of patience teaching and coaching, and and just kind of, you know, I don't know. He wasn't he wasn't the guy that's gonna help me get to get there. He would just say work hard, you know, and you just say those things. And I'd be like, well, what does that look like? Like, tell me how to do it. You know, how do you, how do you get stronger? And he just wouldn't really have answers. He would mm-hmm. just make it, I'd have to grovel, like to, to, to find that. So that's what I began. I became a person, like a, like seeker, like who's going to kind of like teach me how to, how to, how to work hard. Who's going to kind of like uh, model this for me. And I think it was my, my freshman um, football coach, this guy, Les Murray. And Les is just like, I don't know, he just saw something in me and he would just give me real specific feedback about something that he saw because I played quarterback and he'd like say something real specific that I did well. And then when I didn't, he'd say, you know, start running Murph, you know, just things (laughs) that made me want to kind of try to work hard for him. And then when I got up to the varsity up, um, the next year, sophomore year, uh, I didn't play, you know, varsity, but I knew that that's where I wanted to be. And I knew the coach wasn't going to give me anything. You're going to have to work for it. Yeah. And I just became like obsessed with just getting stronger, running routes, putting in the work. And I thought to myself, there's no way I'm going to be sitting on the bench in my junior year, so it's not going to happen. And if I have to, you know, put in extra time in the weight room, if I have to, you know, run some extra routes out, out in the backyard with my stepdad, I don't even call him my stepdad, he's my dad, I'm going to do it. And we'd be out in the backyard playing every sport with my, with my dad. And I just like to, to work. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't, uh, you know, I knew I had some skill, but unlike most people, you know, I had to put in the work. And that's just what I did. And then by the time I was a junior, it wasn't like walk in there and, and, and start. I'm like, man, there's a, there's a lot of seniors that played the same position. But then when somebody went down, I remember this guy got injured. My coach looked at me and goes, Murphy, you ready? You're going to start this week. And I'm like, I'm so ready. Yeah. And, you know, that was the moment where I got to play like three games. And from then on, the next couple of games, I was in there. And then senior year, I just got the nod. And I remember literally being in football games and I look at the clock and I think to myself, man, can we just slow down time? I just love this so much. I love playing. I love being around the team. I love the opportunity to catch a pass or to just the whole thing. I yeah. mean, if it was basketball, if it was football, if it was anything, I just was so enamored by I guess the moment of just being in these moments and just really hoping that time would go slower. And I always remember, man, the game's over. (laughs) And then so quickly, you know, high school sports were over. And, uh, you know, for me, college was about um, focusing on my academics, playing intramurals, focusing on training, starting to train for other things like triathlons and running races and marathons and just things like that. But, you know, where I really thrived, I think, is, is team sports. Mm-hmm. And um, I do give that a lot of credit to uh, Coach Cochran at Triton, just really kind of having the, the discipline that I needed, I guess, to, uh, to get to that next level. Because anything, you know, that you're going to do at a high level, you have, to, uh, you have to discipline yourself to put in the work. Yeah, definitely. And I think team sports are very valuable for children growing up. What benefits do you see that come out of team sports to help kids grow and develop and be themselves? I think for kids to, to just be a part of something positive, be around, um, hopefully, you know, a real positive uh, adult that can send the message that, you know, sure, we're here to win. You know, sure, we're here to, 
You know, I don't care if it's soccer, lacrosse, whatever, like football, whatever, theater, put the ball in the net. Um, but it's about, you know, our commitment to each other, you know, as teammates. Yeah. Our ability to, uh, you know, work through frustrations and, and, and work through things together and show up every day, commit to something. Um, and, and it's not just, you know, the traditional stuff like, you know, football. I mean, my daughter uh, is committed to dance. Um, my daughter, Lexi, you know, likes to just commit to, you know, going to the gym. Yeah. Just being active. And that whole thing about, like, say for her, you know, my daughter never really got as much into the team sports. That's what I always kind of thought, oh, she's missing out on that, that being a part of a group, you know, because she played her freshman year. She played uh, basketball and she played field hockey. And she's, she says, dad, I, you know, I love being part of her team because I, I met um, so many good friends that first month, two months of school playing field hockey. And um, I said, yeah, I don't you love it. And she's like, I do. She could care less about wins and losses. <laughs> she just liked being a part of, of the team. And, and then, you know, she just didn't really pursue that because some of the kids got into more into like winning. I want to be, mm-hmm. you know, going to the camps and this and that. And she's like, dad, I just like to be a part of the group. You know, I don't really yeah. like to go to the camps and other things in the summertime. Uh, I don't know. I just... You know, I, I like to move around, but I'm not, I'm not like you in that way. And then I was like, that's okay. So I tried really hard to get her into things that she could experience that. But, um, cause it was so much for me. It was such a yeah. huge thing for me. Um, but I see it with my daughter with doing dance. I mean, she's just, uh, around kids that they got each other's back and they're, uh, they're showing up every week to, to put together a piece and building that confidence. Um, yeah it's 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 gonna last you for a lifetime and just having a group of people that you can grow together with in a like-minded um focus just helps you be a better kid and grow more as well i think i think that that whole idea of being a, a growth mindset kid is saying well you know what i'm gonna maybe you know as a kid, I'm going to try this or try that or experiment with this, experiment with that. I mean, growth mindset to me means I'm going to put myself in positions to be a little bit uncomfortable or outside the box a little bit to yeah. see if, to see if this is some place that I, you know, I thrive or I enjoy, you know, from like your brother doing, you know, plays to, you know, uh, Livy doing sports, just finding out where do you fit? Yeah. You know? And I think, so I was going to talk about losing and why it's important to lose as a team. And then how do you turn around and be better the next day or come back and win the next game? But even individual sports, say with dance, you didn't hit the move that you wanted to hit. And then you tell yourself, okay, next time I do it, I'm going to. Or in theater, in plays, I didn't hit my line that I was supposed to. I messed up and used this word instead of that word. Just having the mindset of next time I'll do better and I'll learn from my mistake or I'll learn from, oh, we just lost our our really important game. The next time we show up, we'll be better and we'll hit it. Um, we'll either win or we'll get the line that we were supposed to. That is what I think kids learn from sports, theater, and it's important in life growing up because say you didn't get the job you wanted, the next time you interview, you get the job that you want, or you didn't perform well in a meeting where you had to present something to your boss, you learn from that, and the next time you show up and uh, do it correctly. Yeah, I... I um... I think of that in terms of uh, like a platform, you know, uh, you think of being um, on the court, like that moment you're in mm-hmm. a game. It's, 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 that's the platform where when you fall down in that moment, so you got 60 minute games, you fall down in that moment. For me, it was really easy when the fans and it could be your family, the coach, other kids, you know, they're looking at you in my, I don't know if it was either imprinted to me or whatever it was, it was about get back up, 
just get back up, get back in the game, dust yourself off as quick as you can, you know, uh, remind yourself, you know, we're in the moment now. That was the past. Let's move forward. Don't beat yourself up. And those are the kind of things that I think not only serve me well, but I think serve people well in general. The idea of um, sports is like this, it's like the micro of the macro, you know, it's this mini universe. And in that moment, you can be your best self, which is, I don't have to be perfect, but I'm going to have moments where I can right then show myself, show other people, show my coach that I'm the kind of kid that, yeah, I make mistakes, but I can also, you know, jump right back in and keep moving forward. And maybe even then, you know, show something to myself that I didn't know was in there. Yeah. I think, I think it needs to be, to me, I think you benefit a lot by the kind of instruction you get. If you got a coach that kind of instills that notices those little things that you do, you know, don't think I didn't notice that, you know, Nick, don't think I didn't notice how when you knocked that, you know, you lost that ball out of bounds or whatever, that you just kind of, you know, got right back in it. And mm-hmm. I noticed that and, I, and, and tell you specifically that they appreciated that. And I know what I didn't get from some coaches and I tried to fill those gaps with kids that I coached. I tried to look at those moments, those real specific moments and say to that kid, I see that. And I like that. And it could be a moment like in school too. It could be a moment where a kid's walking down the hall and make a bad choice. And I'm like, okay, you made a bad choice in that moment, but it doesn't make you a bad kid. And I know it sounds kind of cliche where you say, you know, it's a bad, you're not a bad kid. It was a bad choice, but it's so true. And the more as an adult or a coach or a parent, that we remind young people that, Hey, don't be so hard on yourself. You know, it's, it, it's, it's so important because I, I think it takes a long time to come to that mm-hmm. realization. It really does. It takes yeah. a long time to come to that. And for a lot of us, it's a lifetime struggle uh, looking for that validation. And guess what? It's not coming because not everyone is going to notice those little things that you do. And it's nice when they do, but um, you got to remind yourself that um, if no one's saying it to you, you got to be saying it to yourself. Yeah. You got to be saying it to yourself, reminding yourself, hey, listen, okay, put that behind you. Let's move forward, you know? And also knowing that you are enough and say you did your best, you put your best effort out there, but it wasn't enough, not getting down on yourself and not beating yourself up because you didn't perform to the level that you expected telling yourself, I put my best effort out there, that it was the best that I could, I laid everything out on the table. That's what is important. Now, how have you, how have, I mean, with, you know, you've, you've certainly uh, had a lot of experiences with, you know, playing different sports and being around some pretty great leaders and mentors. And uh, I listened to your last podcast with uh, Sensei Kendall and just hearing a lot of life lessons, but um, how is it for you as an adult? You know, you're 24 years old, you have, you have your child, and you're in a position now where you're in a job with responsibilities and things like that. Um, what do you reflect back on as you think about moments that kind of remind you to kind of keep, you know, moving forward and keep pushing through things that are hard? I think one just waking up every morning and going to the weight room that taught me because I, because I didn't start as a freshman or a sophomore or a junior in hockey, but eventually senior year I started and I was one of the top people that coach looked to, to get stuff done. I attributed that to my hard work in the weight room. And then I realized if you do put in the work, results will come afterwards. And that wasn't a mindset I think I had originally. I was like, oh, I'll play hockey and I'll play all the time. But that's not the case. And you have to show up each day 
to get better the next day. And, and it'll, it's in the long run. You can't be in the short game of, Oh, I go today. I'll play tomorrow. It's I'm showing up now. Maybe I'll play next year because I'm a sophomore and I don't play yet. So was it kind of that idea of, um, realizing that there's only so many things I can control. And one of the things I can control is staying strong and staying fit and working out exactly, and working hard at the sport. But in terms of getting the nod from the coach, you know, or performing at that high level, maybe some of those things are just, um, out of your control. Yeah. And, uh, I love that because the fact that you did stay so committed and so, invested into things about like injury prevention staying fit that when you got your call which you did your senior year of hockey yeah you were ready yeah and uh, it was so great because i think what the coach from what i remember coach you mean was able to uh to say to you was like wow man here's a kid that just worked his tail off and now things are all coming together and what did it feel like when he picked you as captain? Well, he uh, well was you probably voted as captain by the team, right? Yeah, I think we were voted. I to be honest, I don't remember if we were voted or picked, but it was just it was a nice feeling of okay, hard work does pay off, and is sure. it was just a life lesson for me. I think of bringing that into the future in all different aspects of life, so. Yeah, I was proud of you. That was great. Absolutely. So I do have a few more questions. Um, what do you, is there anything you're working on right now or are you reading or learning anything in particular to be better than you are, like to be better and grow yourself? Every day. Um, you know, I'm sitting here looking at a book that, Tom Brady, let me see here. The TV 12 method mm -hmm. book. And um, I have a lot of respect for, for Tom Brady. And I always have just the way he's, again, been a guy that's just put in the work and just uh, always, you know, pointed the finger at himself. And what was kind of ironic, I guess, there was a book that I, that I actually read in 1997. It was called the four agreements mm -hmm. and it was a book by Don Miguel. Don, Ruiz. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I've heard of and, him. Yeah. And, um, somebody that I was personal training actually at the time, he recommended it to me, you know, he just kind of said, uh, have you ever read the book? And I said, no, he said, uh, well, actually Oprah Winfrey had it on her, uh, and that was her first, I think it was one of her first books on her, book club thing that she had this book club and um i was like hmm, okay and he goes well, check it out so when some of that i respect re you know request i mean uh you know says hey read this book i'll go mm -hmm. do it so the book had four agreements it was one to be impeccable with your word which to me is like okay so being perfect with how you speak so for me as a teacher, as a coach, think before you speak, think about what you're saying to your kids, think about what you're saying to your friends, be accountable for what you text, what you write. And I'm like, okay, that makes a lot of sense because, mm -hmm. you know, talked about karma and then just a, a, a lot of attachments to that. So I'm like, okay. Um, next one, don't take things personally. So I thought, oh boy, here we go. Take a lot of things personally. Mm -hmm. And when he brought it to my attention that a lot of things that happen aren't about you, it's about what's going on with that other person, which is always a good reminder because for a lot of us, we live in our own, you know, our own idea of things, our own lens and taking things personally is something that can really bring you down. So that was a good reminder to me. Yeah, uh, that is the one I think I have to work on the most, especially with people who are close to me, I really take what they say personally, and I know I shouldn't, but it affects how they think of me really affects my outlook, and it's very challenging at times. Well, 
uh, I'm kind of making this correlation because um, I read the book in 97. And um, when I was exploring it more through like YouTube and wanting to kind of like share more things with the kids, outcomes, I think it was, maybe I found it in 2010 that Tom Brady had found that book in 2000, I think 2000 or 2001, and mm -hmm. that he was sharing that he'd been reading the book for the past 10 years every, every, every year. And so I thought, oh, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Because here he is, this guy that, you know, the other two ones are, you know, don't make assumptions. You know, to assume that you think you know what someone else is thinking, you know, you don't. We don't. If you want to know what someone's thinking, you got to ask them a question. And uh, the last one, just do your best. Um, to think about how Tom Brady's lived his life, you can see how that book threads right through you know, how he's kind of conducted himself. And, you know, for me, that book is like almost ringing in my head every day I wake up. Mm -hmm. You know, think about what you're saying. Don't take things so personally. Don't make assumptions about what other people are thinking, what other people are doing. Don't judge people. Um, and just do your best, man. And to me, you know, I, um, I have a lot of spiritual um, beliefs in me that I, I principles I follow and that's certainly one of them you know sure uh, trying to live by those so and then the next one is is there anything that you do every day to ensure that you're better than you were the day before well you know I wasn't going to talk too much about this because you know when you think about spirituality it's quite a you know personal thing for a lot of people and a lot of people believe in different things and uh that's great but uh for me um mm -hmm. having a strong you know faith in uh, my sure. belief in, in god has um i don't know i mean it, it, it's something that every morning i mean i i have a uh, for the last 18 years been doing a practice called the master path and it's something that I found through my sister. She was in Kripalo. Um, she was getting uh, her certification in Lennox Mass. And um, she's going to be a yoga instructor. Mm -hmm. And she kind of came home and she kind of had this look on her face. Like it's almost like she, she knew something that, uh, and, and, you know, I, I was kind of intrigued. Like, what are you doing? You seem a little different. And she's like, uh, you know, she kind of made me kind of you know, kind of pry it a little bit. And she shared this thing about the master path with me. And I took the steps and for the last 18 years, um, I've been following this practice. And I tell you what, it's about putting yourself, um, looking at yourself more from the principles of uh, your soul, you know, your um, like uh, one drop from the ocean, and if the ocean is is the the, the whole, mm -hmm. you're a small part of the whole, but you're the same as the ocean. And sure. that and so the idea is, you know, here you are, this little drop from the ocean, but yet you've somehow forgotten that you have every single thing that you'll ever need, but you're just you're a seeker only because you've forgotten that, that one thing. So whenever I wake up every day, I always kind of remind myself that I'm not a seeker. I'm just trying to surrender to this idea that I have everything I need and then just be okay with that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that makes total sense. It's surrendering to this idea that I am, I am complete mm -hmm. and complete in the way that I don't need validation from somebody to say, hey, you taught a great lesson today. Hey, you know, you... You were a great influence here or there. That's all nice. And, you know, um, those are the kind of things I certainly strive for just as a person to be a great dad and be a great, you know, leader. But in the end, um, sometimes your kids can have moments. <laughs> you know, <laughs> sometimes, you know, you get these kids saying, you know, I didn't like your lesson or I didn't like what you were doing. And if that's the way you're going to, to validate who you are as a person, you're going to find yourself unhappy on most yeah. days. So if I can get up every morning 
and do this little bit of reminding myself that I got everything I need, just kind of surrender to this idea that I'm whole. It serves me. It yeah. serves me well. And uh, it's actually been, a, you know, a kind of a, a, a blessing because without it, I think I'd just be like, again, I'd be a seeker. And I've been a seeker long enough. Now mm -hmm. I just got to, I got to surrender more to the process and uh, I don't know. Yeah. Become, and, you know, yeah. And just knowing that you are enough for yourself and for the people around you and not needing the external validation to, yeah. to be enough, knowing that you are in yourself enough to love everyone around you and show up each day. I think well, that's, that's, what I, that's what I see about you, Nick. You're not, um, you know, you're not kind of seeking out approval. You're not a kid that just seems to be um, fishing. Sure. You don't. And I love that about you because, you know, it's just that humility and um, inner confidence that you have that uh, to me, it's like, that's what leadership's about. Someone that has that inner fortitude, I guess, to just to stand without needing those, I, I, I guess, yeah. appro appro the, the, the added approval that we often, so many of us, especially when you're young, I mean, you're 24, go seeking for. Yeah. You know? And I think that's what I, I strive for. I don't myself think I'm that way, but I, oh, you, I, tr I try to be, and that's my goal. So thank you for that. Absolutely. It's uh you wear it well. Thanks. And, and thank you for coming on the show. I, I really appreciate you doing this for me and I appreciate just having a chance to sit down and talk to you for a little bit and dive into your life. And then also your ideas around coaching and showing up for kids so then they can be better as well. I think it's really important. My pleasure. It was uh, definitely uh, a pleasure to do it, Nick. Anytime. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Jay Murphy. If you did, please hit the subscribe button so you don't miss an episode and share it with your friends and family so they don't miss an episode as well. Thank you for listening and I will see you here next week.